Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of the Dropkick Podcast. I am your host, Daniel. Today, I'm joined with a four-time Emmy-winning TV host. He's the best interviewer in the game. Check out his very own podcast called Insight with Chris Van Lee. He recently interviewed uh, Eric Bischoff, so go check that out. Available on all podcast streaming platforms. So make sure to subscribe to his channel, at Chris Van Lee. And while you're at it, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. He'd really appreciate it. And he is someone who's appeared on the show before. Ladies and gentlemen, the man himself, CVV, a.k.a. Chris Van Vliet. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me back. It's good, man. It's good that things are finally working out this time <laughs> compared to last time. But Well, you know, good. nobody needs to know what happened last time. I hope not. But, you know, before we begin, I want to say that I think it's been 19 years exactly on this day that Mania 18 happened and we saw Rock and Hogan. So, you know, the first question How's it like being in the crowd for that match, considering you call it the greatest match of all time? How old are you? I'm 19. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. So I have the poster here. It hangs on my wall. Rock Hogan. Hogan has autographed this. I have the ticket in the bottom corner. I sat in the 16th row. Yeah, for me, that's the greatest match of all time because of the mm -hmm. fans. And it's funny yeah. saying that now in this COVID world because – We've seen a lot of great matches that maybe could have been even better if there was a crowd there. I fully went into that match at WrestleMania 18 intending on cheering for The Rock. Love The Rock. I've always been a huge Rock fan. Soon as the crowd started chanting for Hogan, I was like, oh, I, I, I do like Hogan. I always yeah. have liked Hogan. <laughs> and everyone kind of flipped. And that's what, you know, that's what led to The Rock turning heel. But it's just so interesting that no, like 90% of the crowd was cheering for Hogan. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, based off that, were you, did you like it when Hogan turned heel? In that match or like, just, oh no, just like, in general. Just in general, yeah. I think it was it was required, right? Like wrestling was going in a different direction. He was mm -hmm. doing the red and yellow his entire career. Mm -hmm. Nobody ever thought that Hulk Hogan was going to turn heel. So when Hulk Hogan joined the NWO, I think everybody kind of went, what? Hit? No! <laughs> it, it can't be Hogan! And yeah. I think it was great. I mean, look, Hogan's such an incredible performer, whether he's a babyface or a heel. But then it's it's funny to me that I was at WrestleMania. So I'm as old as WrestleMania. So I was at WrestleMania 18 when I was 18. The fact that you were zero years old when WrestleMania, well, maybe yeah. one, when WrestleMania 18 was happening is funny to me. Yeah, it's crazy how things work out. But like in that time period, we saw like a lot of transitions. I mean, Randy Orton was just coming up, John Cena, like a bunch of these young guys. So being in that spot of, you know, Hogan up there. And then I think Austin retired the year after 2003. Well, Austin right. fought Scott Hall that WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Weird, weird. I mean, you time. think about it. I mean, that you could look at any WrestleMania card from mm -hmm. like 20 years ago and be surprised by who's on there. But mm -hmm. I mean, Stratus, Chris Jericho was the champion at the time. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. Arn Anderson Arn ran Anderson in and delivered a spine buster, even though he wasn't like actively wrestling. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. That was a, my favorite WrestleMania. It might not be the best WrestleMania, but that was my first ever WrestleMania in Toronto. Yeah, I love it. I say this all the time. I think WrestleMania needs to come back to Toronto, like at least just for one year, man. Like, and I think it will. It, you it think all it will? Really? And I don't know if everybody realizes it all comes down to money. 
And sure. every city is paying to have WrestleMania there because of the influx that it brings into the city. So mm-hmm. obviously Toronto is just not ponying up. I don't know why. Like we had SummerSlam and I was like, man, WrestleMania needs to come to town. But I agree. You know, I, can hopefully, you hopefully soon. Fingers crossed. But I just want to talk about the last time we spoke, you know, we were in that first wave of the pandemic. So like how have – how has this uh, wave been different for you compared to last time, to last June, I would say? Because I think that's the last time I interviewed Yeah, you. it's funny because like last June, we were still like, oh man, like another couple months. We'll, yeah. we'll have this figured out. It was <laughs> funny because when it started, we all went, well, we were all told, mm-hmm. oh, this you know, two weeks. If we stay in our homes for two weeks, we'll be fine. And then two weeks turned into, you know, by Memorial Day or by yeah. May 2, 4 in Canada, we'll be fine. All right, by 4th of July, everything will be okay. And then it just kept getting pushed back Labor Day. And then we kind of went in the fall and we went, are we really going to spend Christmas? Like, yeah. like wow. But it's, you know, a lot has changed for me. And we've all had to pivot. We've all had to make changes over the course of the last year. For me, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's this, what we're doing right now. I didn't even, I didn't even have a Zoom account a year ago. <laughs> I didn't even know what StreamYard was. I certainly did not own a great microphone like this. So it was a matter of me like figuring things out and I love being able to do interviews in person. Obviously that's not, wasn't really a possibility. It's still not really a possibility. Mm-hmm. So it was just a matter of making those adjustments, but man, I'm, I'm fortunate and I'm, I feel really grateful that this pandemic happened now no, versus happening in 2002 with WrestleMania 18. <laughs> First, we yeah. have FaceTime and we have like why, like high speed internet and we have like FaceTime didn't exist. Video calling was like mm-hmm. a science fiction future up until yeah. like eight or ten years ago. So mm-hmm. the fact that we're able to do this now, it's like if there was ever a time for this to happen, I'm glad it happened it's now. And I like to call this the great pause. Like it's been a chance for us to pause and kind of take a look at who's important and what's important in our mm-hmm. lives. No, absolutely. I was having like the same conversation with a friend yesterday. I was like, kind of glad it happened now because it makes you really realize like how much you could get done and how much like how much fortunate you are to be in this like time period. I don't want to say it's a good thing, but sometimes good things come out of the bad times. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. it's crazy. So yeah, and I think absolutely. that you either come out of this, you either thrive or you mm-hmm. survive. And yeah. which one? You know, it's mm-hmm. been a year, almost to the day. Mm-hmm. you know, do you thrive or do you survive? And I think that's a really important thing to look at. No, absolutely. I think it's such a, I don't want to say we're going to look back at this and be like, man, that was a good time. But I think there is a part of it where it's like, those were some times where it made you really think about how much you could have got done, but you still have a learning opportunity. Cause I think every day is a day to grow. You know what I mean? So yeah, I keep, I think that as stuff does start to open up again, I think mm-hmm. that we're going to go, oh, I had a lot more time than I was giving myself credit yeah. No, absolutely. But like, what are some key lessons you learned from, you know, this pandemic, I guess? I think the big one is what I was just mentioning there is like, what's important and who's important? I think mm-hmm. that that's a really big thing is like figuring out who's there. And Absolutely. figuring out, you know, what, what's important to focus on during this time. And you now what you focus on is how you're going to feel. It's been a year of uncertainty. And a lot of people have focused on all the things they don't have any control over. And I think it's more important to focus on how you want to react to the things that are happening around us. So that's been a really big thing for me is like, 
is just where you want to put your focus and where you put that focus is what you're going to end up feeling. No, absolutely. But like, you know, with the new year kicking off, you also, you know, renamed your podcast called Insight with Chris Van Vliet. So tell me why, like, why did you want to change that? And like, you know, call it Insight and not the Chris Van Vliet show. Well, let's be honest. The show was never really about me. And my podcast was very much like just this secondary spot to put the audio from the interviews that I was putting on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And I was just thinking like, well, I'll, I'll put the audio somewhere. I got to give this show a name. Yeah. Well, my YouTube channel is called Chris Van Vliet. What an original name. So I'm like, I'll just call my podcast. the. It was either going to be the Chris Van Vliet podcast or the Chris Van Vliet show. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I'll call it the Chris Van Vliet show. And as it started to grow and it started to build, I was realizing the show's really never been about me. Sure, I'm yeah. on every episode and I'm guiding the conversation, but it's always been about shining the spotlight on my guests and what they have to offer and the stories that they have and the lives that they've lived. So as I was starting to expand my interviews to not just be wrestling interviews, which is what I've been doing my entire career, yeah. interview actors and celebrities, musicians, uh, comedians. I'm like, this show can't be the Chris Van Vliet show, especially when you interview someone. If I interview like a musician or someone like that, their fan base has no clue who I am. So calling yeah. the show the Chris Van Vliet show is a little bit ridiculous. So I wanted it to have a name that was all encompassing of what we were doing on the show, which is insight. Mm -hmm. The show is all about my guests and the in insights we get from them and the insightful conversations that we have. No, I think that's such a great way to put it because, you know, you look at a lot of uh, shows and stuff like the Joe Rogan podcast and like, yes, like he is a big name out there, but I think it took so long for him to be solidified as Joe Rogan's podcast. You know what yeah, I mean? but so. like, like one of my other favorite podcasts is Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard. It's not mm -hmm. called the Dax Shepard Show. It's Armchair yeah. Expert or... Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, some of my other favorite podcasts are like The School of Greatness with mm -hmm. Lewis Howes or On Purpose with Jay Shetty. And mm -hmm. I think it's important to have that little like tagline before so people go, oh, I know exactly what this show's about. Mm -hmm. It's about insight. That's great, though. It's such a great way to, you know, have that, uh, you know, support system. But I did want to talk about when it comes to interviewing, like, I think you're the best at it. Cause like, you're so like, you're like laid back, you're chill about things. Like, how do you prepare mentally when it comes to interviewing? I just kind of try to do as much research as I can. I'll list, listen to or watch other interviews. Like I just did an interview right before we jumped on here. I did mm -hmm. an interview with Ben Askren, who's having that big boxing fight with uh, Jake Paul. So yeah. I, I watched a bunch of his old interviews. I saw what some of the news was around. Like I typed his name into Google News. I saw what was like going on around his name. Basically tried to learn as much as I possibly could about him. And then I wrote a whole page here of a whole bunch of different notes that wow. I'm like, was going to go yeah. through. And then when the interview started, we just kind of went through some of these notes. So it's an idea of like having a, we're going to have a conversation and the conversation will probably touch on my goodness, I wrote a lot of points here, maybe <laughs> 10 or 12, 15 points. At some point, we'll get to those things. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's really just a, a matter of like treating it like it's a conversation instead of oh, being absolutely. scared by the idea that it's an interview, you know, mm -hmm. with a capital I. <laughs> no, absolutely. I think, you know, when it comes to interviewing, like I've been doing this for like almost a year, but I can say like I've gotten a bit better compared to like last year. And it's, it's, it's shown, you know what I mean? Like, 
when it comes to interviewing like RVD and stuff. So I think it's good when you have people and you just keep getting better. Cause I think, you know, the opportunity just grows and grows and you know, you just get better. Well, you're only going to get better the more you do anything, right? That's like, true. you know, if you started playing golf today, you're going to be a hell of a lot better in a year if you continue doing it. And I think mm -hmm. that that's an important thing is to just keep working at it. And especially with this, you know, mm -hmm. we're recording this right now. You can then go back and watch it tomorrow and then go, huh, maybe I could have worked on this or could have phrased this differently. In six months, you can go back and go, man, I've gotten a lot better. I was really terrible. And then, you you know, hopefully mm -hmm. in a year or five, you look back at it and you go, oh my gosh, <laughs> I can't even believe that was good enough to put online. I mean, I've come so far. I used to get better every single day. But, you know, besides moving forward, I did have three fan questions and it's from Steven Spice. For, who, for those who don't know, Steven is a young professional wrestling fan who has survived two brain surgeries and he looks up to Chris Fansley as his mentor. And I think Chris and Steven have such a great relationship. So take it away, Chris. Love Steven. All right. Let's check out this first video here. <laughs> <laughs> He's dressed as a leprechaun. Oh Not my god! There, bro. <laughs> wow, that beard looks so real too. Like, man, he just grew that beard overnight. So he's asking what my three wishes would be. Yes, sir. Mm. Yeah. Can I ask for more wishes? That's fair. That's usually the rule, you know, like in Aladdin. Like you can, you know, you can wish for anything, but you can't ask for more wishes. Okay. Number one, I'm going to wish that COVID, if we could just snap our fingers, that COVID goes away. Like now, like <laughs> at WrestleMania could have full capacity that impact wrestling can have fans there again, that mm -hmm. all of these shows can tour again, that we can go to a concert, that we can go to a sporting event. Yeah. So number one and tied into number one, because, you know, we're all going to be healthy as a result of that. Yeah. So Snap my fingers, COVID goes away. Boom, that's it. I would like to, number two, be able to eat as much pizza as I could possibly eat without having to worry about calories or dairy or anything like that. I want to eat pizza every single meal. I want to eat it for breakfast, lunch, dinner. I want to create a new meal between lunch and dinner. I'm going to call that liner. And I'm going to eat pizza all the time. So wish number two is to eat endless amounts of pizza with no repercussions. Damn. Wish number three. Hmm. It's hard. <laughs> it's so hard. I think wish number three would be... Hmm, man, this is difficult. I mean, I've already used two great wishes here. <laughs> I'm going to make wish number three that everybody in the world can live up to their full potential. Because I think there's so many people that sell themselves short, myself included, we all do it. But I want everybody to be able to live up to their full potential, whatever that is, your full potential of whatever that is, whatever it means to be you. So there we go. One, two, three, three wishes right there. Boom. And the second question, I, th I think you have it. Yeah. Okay, let's get yeah. to the second question here. Happy St. Patty's Day, this time of the week. Oh, 
He's turning back into a human. Oh, it's crazy. <laughs> Who would I want to play me in a movie? Another great question. Double S. Well, I just had Freddie Prince Jr. on the show recently. And when I was growing up, people would tell me all the time that I looked kind of like him. I see it actually. <laughs> Which is a huge, incredible compliment that I would look like Freddie Prince Jr. Hold on, my camera's out of focus. There we go. There we go. <laughs> I mean, what a, what a huge compliment that I would look like a heartthrob Freddie Prince Jr. When I told him this, he was like, dude, when the video started, I'm like, this is what you have to look forward to in 20 years. <laughs> so Freddie Prince Jr. would play me in a movie. And my goodness, that would be, no, I, yeah. yeah, that'd be amazing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right, let's look at this last one here. That's What's up, Chris? Miss me? We never said that we asked kids, and kid, but. It's like auto breath. Because <laughs> he said pineapple. I gotta get your opinion, because you two were the best, best interviews I've ever done. Come on, I gotta get your opinion. Is he saying does pineapple belong on pizza? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I need to watch this again because I can't, there's no way that someone who loves pizza as much as Steven loves pizza would ever be asking about an abomination like pineapple. So let me just make sure here. Wow. You don't think it belongs on pizza? Really? Hell no. Wow. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's that bad. Okay, let's see. Oh, he did. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Does pineapple belong on pizza? Look, you can put anything you want on pizza. But just know that if you're putting pineapple on pizza, I don't really know if it's pizza anymore. It's some sort of an abomination. So, but you should, you're free to do whatever you want. Free to put any toppings you want on there. But no. No. That's like... That's like people that ask, like, is a hot dog a sandwich? No, a That's hot dog is not a sandwich. What a silly question that is. That's fair. Yeah. I don't know. I, I Personally, I, I think, like, I don't mind it, but, like, you know. It's, I don't. It's, it's look, I just bad. think it's weird. Like, pizza is very savory, right? Pizza is, like, it's a salty. Pizza is sometimes a little bit spicy. Mm -hmm. And pineapple, number one, is, like, sweet, which is a little strange. But it's also like mushy. Like it's, I don't yeah. know. I don't like it. I mean, I, I'm not a completely, uh, I would have a slight, like if you ordered pizza mm -hmm. and you were like, and I opened up the box and there was pineapple on there, I'd be like, <laughs> oh, thanks so much for ordering this. And then I would take the slice and be like, it's good. Yeah. I, I wait. I think LA has pretty good uh, pizza places down there. I've heard, ish. So ish? I mean, really, I think, I think the thing about living in any big city, you've, you've got lots of options. But mm -hmm. the best pizza in America, best pizza in North America, is in New York. Oh, like New York style pizza is the best. In fact, New York style pizza is so good that all I do here is look for New York style pizza to eat. I mean, I don't blame. You. I thought you were gonna say Chicago, but yeah, New York. New no, York is really good. I don't. I don't like Chicago pizza. I'm so really? sorry. Chicago people. 
people. You like deep dish? I don't like. I don't mind it. Again, like it's have not. You, that- have you been to Chicago and had actual Chicago deep dish? No, I haven't been okay. to Chicago. The deep dish that we would have back home in mm-hmm. Canada is like you know the dish is like this deep compared to like oh. you know this. Deep. Okay, Deep dish, dish pizza in Chicago, like true Chicago style pizza, it's like mm-hmm. this. It's like a casserole. Oh, like yeah, seriously, you need to eat it with like a knife and a fork. Like it is, it's not pizza, and it's mm-hmm. and that's okay. It's it's its own style, but the best pizza is New York. I'm so sorry to all the Chicago people that are watching. Detroit style pizza is up there too. That's a very it's good. good. Pizza. It's really yeah. good. But no, uh, moving forward, I did want to talk about, you know, before you started doing <laughs> interviews, what a great transition. Before you started doing interviews and all of this work for broadcasting, what is one thing you wish you had known before, I guess, starting your journey? I think I wish I had known that we've got lots of time. And I think yeah. it's really easy when when you're 19 or when you're mm-hmm. 20, like when I was, you know, about to graduate from university, I felt like it needed to happen right now. And the reality is you've got all, you've got all of your twenties to kind of figure things out, kind of point yourself in the direction of where you want to go. Mm-hmm. Then you've got your thirties to also do that. You've got your whole life to do that. But I think that there's no rush. And I think that's a big thing. I wish I had gone back and told myself is like, Hey, you're doing okay. Like you're doing okay. Mm-hmm. And like appreciate what's going on now. And then know that it's just going to keep getting better. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's all true because I think, like I mentioned, like every day is you know a new opportunity to learn and just get better. But also, just I think when you're open to that mindset of being like, hey, like it's okay if I mess up because you know you're not gonna really notice it until you go back and you know really nitpick everything. Then it's like then it hits you. You know what I mean? I don't want to mess up. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. I'm just saying that like it's okay to be at this level now, knowing that in a year you'll be a little bit better. And then a year Mm -hmm. after that, you'll be a little bit better and knowing that you'll keep progressing along the way. No, absolutely. But like when it comes to like networking and interviewing people, you know, you're a hustler in your own game. And I give you props for that because it takes a lot to like, just keep killing it like on a consistent basis. Like you just finished an interview before this. And like, personally, I can't do that because I can only do so much like at a mental state. So it, it, it takes a lot, but like, how, what is the furthest distance you have to travel for making an interview happen? Well, look, you could do it. You could absolutely do it. And I think that mm-hmm. the, you know, the most important thing to remember, the two most important words in the English language are I am, because anything that comes after that is exactly what you're telling yourself. So you mm-hmm. are definitely capable of doing it. It's just a matter of, you're going to fill your plate with all that yeah. stuff. The furthest I have traveled, I didn't travel just to do this interview, but I was in London and I connected with Simon Miller, who's a great friend and an incredible YouTuber. And I said, hey, I'm here. You live here. Let's make this happen. And he took the tube. That's what they call the subway in London (laughs) over to my hotel. And we did the interview there. So that's definitely the furthest distance I went to do any of my YouTube interviews. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's the other side of the world. The furthest I've driven would be... I drove to Jacksonville and back in a day when I was living in Miami. And that's five and a half hours mm-hmm. each way to do that interview with Tony Khan right before Double or Nothing. So that's that's the furthest I've traveled in one day. And that was basically drove up, did the interview with him at TIAA Bank Field where the Jaguars play, did the interview, got in my car, turned right back around. And went home. <laughs> 
No, that's great. But I think that, again, that takes a lot because you're just driving there for an interview and possibly for, you know, some pizza, who knows. But, you know, it, it takes a lot to just make these things happen. And it shows, like, it truly shows, like, the hard work does pay off at the end if you're... Yeah, you know, I, I think for me, it's like if someone's willing to give me that opportunity, if someone like Tony Khan's willing to go, yeah, I'll give mm-hmm. you... I think, the, I think he gave me an hour or 45 minutes. It would be silly for me to go, well, I appreciate that, but I don't live close enough to you. So sorry, not doing it. Like, mm-hmm. I, of course, I, was, I, would, I did everything in my power to make that happen. I took a day off of work, <laughs> drive up there and do it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that everybody should make those opportunities because we make time for the things that are important to us. Absolutely. I think, you know, even if you're not ready, just be ready until the opportunity comes. Cause again, you gotta adapt and be quick on your feet. You know, you gotta be ready for the unknown, I guess. You're never going to be completely ready. All you can do is just prepare yourself the best that you possibly Mm -hmm. can and then just dive in and figure it out as you go. Yeah, absolutely. But you've been doing this for 10 years, but I did want to ask, like, is there a possibility that we might see you work for AEW again and, you know, for WWE? I don't know. Who knows? I'd be open to the idea, but I'm in a pretty great spot right now (laughs) where I can talk to people from every different organization. I can do an interview with someone from AEW. I can do an interview with a friend from WWE, Impact Wrestling, New Japan, Mm -hmm. Ring of Honor. It's great. So yeah, yeah, I mean, I've been a wrestling fan my entire life. If one of those organizations wants to reach out to me and it makes sense, sure. But wrestling is just one of the many, many things that I work on. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. also a TV host. I've also worked as an entertainment reporter for most of my career. I do voiceover work. I have this podcast. I Mm -hmm. do some acting. I do speaking. Like wrestling is just one of the many, many things I do. So I definitely don't know if I'd want to be tied down doing something in wrestling all the time if it were to take Mm -hmm. away from all the things that I'm doing. No, absolutely. Because there's only so much you can do, you know, once you're under a company and, you know, you can only limit yourself to so much. So Right. And like, I don't things are pretty good right now. No, absolutely. But like with reaching like success in like any sort of capacity, like there's always that negative feedback. Like how do you handle that? Like mentally? I think I'm just like comfortable knowing who I am and what I bring to the table. And if mm-hmm. someone says something that that's not nice or someone says something that's criticizing, you know, sometimes I'll look at it and go, "Eh, you know, that, that person has a pretty good point. Like, you know, they're (laughs) right. I probably Mm -hmm. could have done this better. or could have said this better, but for the most part, I'm looking at that and going, yeah, that person doesn't know me. Mm -hmm. So, and I don't really, I don't care. Like it doesn't, it's not going to change or affect the way that I do what I do. Mm -hmm. I think that in wrestling and in life, People either like you or they don't like you. They might not even have a reason why they don't like yeah. you. They might not have a reason why they do like you. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing I can really say or do that's going to convince somebody that doesn't like me to like me. You know, if, no, if people don't true. like my interviews, they don't have to watch them. They don't have to listen to them. And I'm I'm really okay with that. Yeah. No, I think everyone likes to just kind of like, you know, dip their toes and just kind of like... I don't know. I think making fun of, not even make, like just being that typical Mark is kind of like their thing. You know what I mean? So I think being in that outside bubble and just keep doing what you got to do to just grow, then it's like doing what you got to do. And I guess 
Yeah, I'm just going to keep doing my own thing, whether people mm-hmm. like it or not. I mean, it's just I'm just going to keep keep yeah. pressing on. No, absolutely. But like, what were some challenges you faced like in your early days of interviewing? I think the biggest challenge any interviewer has is trying to figure out how it doesn't sound like an interview. Yeah, and I, you know, I think that's the that's a tough thing to do. So, you know, when I was working for MTV Two Canada, our whole thing was appreciating and understanding that the person you're interviewing has done a lot mm-hmm. of interviews. And maybe that day they've done 10, 20, 30, 50 interviews. So our big thing was trying to find a different angle, trying to ask them a question in a different way, trying to get a soundbite out of them that maybe they've never said before. That was a tough thing because the last thing I wanted to do was get this soundbite out of an actor or a musician or a comedian and then turn on the TV that night and hear them saying almost the exact same thing to somebody else. Yeah. So that was a big hurdle to kind of get over is like, I can, how can I ask the same question, but phrase it in a different way that makes the answer a little bit more fun. So that was, I think a really big thing for me. And I think, I mean, that sounds so obvious and it sounds so simple, but listening, listening was a really tough thing because while an interview is a conversation, it's also, it's a strange conversation. It's a one-sided conversation where you're trying to get the best out of the person that you're talking to. So I think for me, listening was a big thing and not jumping ahead in my mind mentally to what the next question was, just being present in that moment, listening. And if they said something that I thought could bounce off into a different question, I would allow it to you know, do that. And that took a long time to be able to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Now, I think every interviewer's journey is different, but I think yours is so you know, different as well because you actually wanted to be a wrestler. You know what I mean? You wanted to be someone that was in the ring consistently and so tell me about how that came together how did your wrestling journey and you know well when i became like a huge wrestling fan in the attitude era Mm -hmm. i was also on the high school wrestling team at the time i was (laughs) i was in a backyard wrestling federation chris sharp was my backyard wrestling name Uh, so i said to one of my buddies in the backyard wrestling federation i said when we're old enough and we own cars or have cars we're going to go to wrestling school together. We like made a pact. So mm-hmm. that was where it kind of started for me. And I did, I went to wrestling school while I was going to college and I was, I, I did it in the summer between my second and third year and then decided like, all right, when school started back up that fall, I kind of went, okay, I got to make a decision. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to half-ass this. I'm going to go all the way in. So yeah. is it school school or is it wrestling school? And I had to make this mm-hmm. decision. And I thought, you know, wrestling will always kind of be there, but mm-hmm. I want to make sure I like got my degree, which I did. The interesting thing about this is by no means am I a fully trained wrestler. <laughs> I know how to bump. I know how to lock up. I know how to do like a few different things, run the ropes, mm-hmm. but by no means am I a fully trained wrestler. The interesting thing here though, is I kind of in a very small way, can have an appreciation for what these people do. I know what a bump feels like. I certainly know what a chop feels like. And the interesting thing is when we watch, you know, baseball, maybe you never played baseball, but you've at least thrown a baseball. You know what it feels like to throw and catch a baseball. Mm -hmm. Maybe you never played basketball, but we've all shot hoops before. The interesting thing is how many fans are watching wrestling that actually don't know what it feels like you know, to be in a wrestling ring. And I I feel like even if I just have this 1% like experience with it being in the ring, 
I think it really helps like inform those interviews that I do. No, that's fair. Yeah. Cause I think you learn a totally different perspective. I think one interview that really stands out is the Ken Shamrock one. Cause I think you asked him to put you in that ankle lock and he really, you know, he really had it in there and you know, it's totally yeah. And I'm also different. not afraid to like create those moments. Like mm-hmm. how cool is it that we can sit here right now and I can say, Ken Shamrock, the world's most dangerous man, put me in the ankle lock. Like, <laughs> also, I have a photo with uh, Kurt Angle put me in the ankle lock many, many years ago. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I just want to like, I want to be able to selfishly kind of have those moments for myself. No, I don't blame you. Yeah, it's it's totally cool, you know, doing the interview game and also being, you know, I don't know, fifty percent trained i guess you can say but it's again it's it's totally different for everybody. i don't even i don't think i'm 50 percent trained i'm like 12 percent trained maybe yeah yeah yes but i do want to talk about um what was like your biggest failure like early on and like what did you like learn from that like i think that i auditioned for a lot of different shows and mm-hmm. didn't get them and i wouldn't consider it a failure but I was, my career was going fairly well. I was two and a half years in, spent my first year and a half as a news reporter at Checks TV in Peterborough, Ontario, doing it all. I learned it all, writing, shooting, editing, reporting, everything. And then from there, I ended up getting a pretty big break to move to Vancouver and host a show called 969 on Razor, which became MTV2 Canada. And things were going really well. I was hosting a national show, interviewing celebrities and musicians all the time. Our show got canceled after a year. And it was in that year, I was unemployed for seven months after basically living my dream job before that. And it was tough because I was going for all these other auditions and it would be between me and one other person, me and two other people, and I wouldn't get it. And I don't know if that's a failure, really, Mm -hmm. but it was the fact that like I was so close to not like continuing to do what I wanted to do, which was be on TV for a living. And I learned a lot in that time about just like moving forward. And like, I always say vague goals get vague results, but it was really important for me to like set these goals and figure out like, what am I going to do next? Like, I feel like I was put on this earth to be a television host. I mean, I've certainly been telling myself that. So if that's been taken away now, what do I do? So that was a really big time where I like figured out every step along the way. And it sucked to not have a job for seven months. And your job when you don't have a job becomes to find a job. So I spent every day like applying for different things and try to just better my craft Mm -hmm. so that when I did find that next opportunity, I was going to be the absolute best at it. No, absolutely. I think, you know, you only bounce back and just keep getting better. Like your only setback is your biggest, you know, opportunity to just grow and learn and get better. And I think vague goals and vague results, that's the thing. Like that's, that's what it's, yeah, that's what it's all about. Like you really learn in those dark times that like you can grow as a person. And also like, I think things happen for a reason. I think it was in that rock interview where, he tells, he talks to you about um, just, you know, things happen for a reason. Like if The Rock was in the NFL, he wouldn't be this mega star as he is right now. Like we can all agree on that. But I think for him to fail and not achieve that dream of his at that time, like that was kind of a good thing because it led him to bigger, you know, better things. Think about it. The Rock got cut from the CFL. 
Mm-hmm. Like Rock's goal, Rock's dream in life was to play in the NFL. Yeah. Rock got that from the CFL. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we know, being Canadians, no offense to the CFL, but it's no NFL, right? Mm-hmm. So to get cut from the CFL and yeah, Rock told me in that interview that sometimes things in life don't happen. And when they don't, they can be the best things to never happen. And it's yeah. so true. I actually think that that show getting canceled, this was 2007, if we take it all the way back, that show getting canceled was probably one of the best things to happen to me because who knows? If 969 had stayed on the air for another 10 years, who knows? I probably wouldn't have moved to the US, wouldn't have met some of the great friends that I've had, wouldn't have been able to you know, have some of the great networking opportunities that I've had. So I don't, I don't live with any sort of regrets at all in any aspect of my life because everything that happened along the way has led to me sitting here right now doing this with you. No, absolutely. I think everything does happen for a reason. But like, I also wanted to talk about moving forward to the present day. You have some really cool like videos of you with these drone shots. So tell me about that. Like, how did that come together? Because I've seen them and I'm like, I want to ask him about this. (laughs) One of my very best friends, his name is Zeus. He is such a talented filmmaker and he makes incredible videos. So I was looking for someone to shoot a drone video because... You might have seen the video on my YouTube channel. I've gone on some pretty fun adventures, bungee jumping, skydiving, swimming with yeah, alligators, yeah. driving a tank, all that like really fun stuff. Crazy stuff, yeah. And I said, I want one final video here of me like standing on top of a mountain, like the drone's gonna like pull away. Mm-hmm. So we had a mutual friend that connected us together and now Zeus has become one of my closest friends. So it's awesome when you're with someone who's just like driven by creativity. And yeah. I'm very much that type of person. I know you're that very much that type of person as well, but so is he. So like, he's the type of guy, like we went skiing a few weeks ago and yes, there is skiing in California. It's crazy. (laughs) We went to Big Bear to go skiing and he just brought all of his equipment. And it's just like, yeah, like you're so passionate about this that here we are on a fun trip and you brought a drone and you brought three cameras and four GoPros. So he's that, you know, he's the type of guy that I know that if I need a cool shot, I could literally just call him up and go, hey, man, here's what I'm yeah. thinking. <laughs> no, it's it's cool, though, because I think I don't think we ever saw that like side of you in terms of like that creative side, because, you know, you're just doing interviews, but now you're, you know, breaking off and doing this other cool stuff. So I think it's it's pretty cool. Well, and I get that people come to my YouTube channel to see my interviews. I'm completely <laughs> aware of that. And yeah, it doesn't mean I'm going to like I'm, I'm already going bungee jumping. I had a trip planned. It got delayed and then canceled uh, swimming with sharks. I was going to swim with great white sharks at the end of last year, oh. which I'm going to be doing at the end of this year. But I'm already doing this stuff anyway. And I already mm-hmm. love this stuff. And I, it drives me. Why not bring a camera? And why yeah. not share that experience on YouTube? And even if you know one person can watch that video and go, I didn't, I didn't even know that was possible. <laughs> or be able to like, inspire them. No, absolutely. That's everyone's goal. But I did want to talk about what are some like upcoming projects that you're working on? Well, I'm going to go, as soon as we're done here, I'm going to call up Zeus and shoot another badass video. So you can look for that on my social media, but I'm plugging away at the, uh, the podcast. I I'm really passionate about growing my podcast and just talking to interesting people. Like, again, it's called insight because I want to selfishly take as much insight as I can from these high performing guests. So I've got some really interesting interviews lined up, just released the Eric Bischoff interview. 
Jeff Timmons, the founding member of 98 Degrees is on the show, yeah. which was such an interesting interview. That Man, you want to talk about goal setting and you want to talk about <laughs> dream. I was so inspired after that interview. So look for that. And I think if things go well, I think you'll be seeing me on TV before the end of the year. No way. You'll be seeing me on a different show. Oh, okay. That's right. I'm not going to say where. I'm not going to say what channel. But I think that if things go well, knock on wood, we'll see that. No, I'm looking forward to it, man. But I want to thank you once again for coming on the show. Uh, where can everybody find you on social media? I'm at Chris Van Vliet, V-A-N-V-L-I-E-T, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. My podcast is Insight with Chris Van Vliet. And thank you for making this happen. I appreciate you having me back on. And congratulations on your uh, internet. It's much more stable. It's so much better, man. So much better. But right next to each other. <laughs> Absolutely. But go check out Inside with Chris Van V available on all podcast stream platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it. It's all there. Check out Chris on YouTube at Chris Van V. Hit that bell so you don't miss any interviews. And of course, subscribe to the Dropkick Podcast on all podcast stream platforms and YouTube at Dropkick Podcast. But again, thank you so much, Chris. And I hope to see you guys in the next interview. Thank you. <laughs>